Great. It's wonderful uh, to be with the family this morning. We've got two short readings. So if you want to grab your Bible or your Bible app on your phone, we're going to be looking at John 15 and John 16 together. Two short readings. And uh, we're going to kick off with John 15, verses 26 to 27. When the advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you almost, uh, sorry, and you also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning. Let's skip to John 16 verses 12 to 15. Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. And he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. This is the word of the Lord. So church, today is Trinity Sunday where the church across the globe celebrates God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's the day when the church celebrates the most fundamental truth in the entire universe, that God is Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And too many of us, myself included, we get too entangled in the complexities and the mysteries of the Trinity. In fact, John Wesley once said this, he said, bring me a worm that can comprehend a man, and then I will show you a man that can comprehend God. And uh, I really resonate with that in my preparation for today. And in fact, even this morning, as I arose from my uh, deep slumber and sleep, I went downstairs a little bit thinking, I really want today to be simple truth about God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we had a little chat as a family about what Trinity Sunday is all about. And Amara came out with an absolute cracker. So Amara, come come to the front for us. Yes. And uh, you might need a little prop so it's in here. A Twix isn't a Twix without... A biscuit, a Twix isn't a Twix without chocolate, a Twix isn't a Twix without a caramel. Now, isn't that amazing? Thank you so much, Amara. So you can have that Twix, eat it, uh, but not in front of the other kids. You're going to go back into your kids' group now. But you know what? A Twix isn't a Twix without the caramel, the biscuit, and the chocolate. And if you look on the ingredients on the back, they're almost split in equal thirds. How amazing is that? <clears throat> but anyway, let's not get too uh, entangled in all of that. But rather than get lost in the doctrine of the Trinity today, 
What we're going to do is simply open up the scripture, unpack it, what we've already heard being read this morning, because scripture contains all things necessary to salvation. So we're going to simply allow the word of God to speak to us all today. And so in John's gospel, we're looking at Jesus teaching the disciples about the Holy Spirit. And together here, we're going to journey through three main points. You may want to take a note. The first one is that the Trinity is the truth. Secondly, the persons of the Trinity point to each other. And thirdly, the Trinity defines me and you. You. Trinity is truth. Persons of the Trinity point to each other. Persons of the Trinity Trinity defines me and you. So firstly, the Uh, Let's have the John 15 reading open in front of us, verses 26, 27. And as I've already said, the Trinity is the most fundamental truth in the entire universe. In fact, the 39 articles of religion, which I I know everyone knows off by heart, uh, but these make uh, or form the statement of faith for the Anglican Church uh, and can be found in this lovely little black sometimes red book, called the Book of Common Prayer, towards the back. And this is what the first article of the 39 say. It says, There is but one living and true God, everlasting, without body parts or passions, of infinite power, wisdom, and goodness, the maker, the preserver of all things, both visible and invisible. And in the unity of this Godhead, there be three persons of one substance, power and eternity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost." Whoa, thank you. How incredible is that? This fundamental truth is central to our Christian faith. So much so that it makes article number one of the statement of faith of the Anglican Church. The rest of what we believe today is because of this truth. And look at how the words of this article propel us into knowing the truth of who God really is. In fact, what that article does, I don't know what happened inside of you when you heard me read that to you, but it it propels me to worship God. It says, he is everlasting. And I acknowledge I am not. He is without body parts. I'm physical. He is unchangeable. I am consistently up and down, affected by emotions. He is all-powerful. I'm often powerless. He is wise. I make mistakes all of the time. And so on and so on. It propels us to worship God. And so we can be confident, folks, that we do not need to put our faith in ourselves, being God of our own lives, but instead put it in him, the one, the living, true God. 
Now, having, um, as you know, been recently recommended to start ordination training uh, in the Church of England, um, my dad, who is not a Christian, looked at me in the eyes and he said this, Lee, can I ask you a question? And he often says that and my heart just goes, oh, heck, what now? And um, he asked a question that I actually didn't expect him to ask me. And he said, I'm serious here, Lee, and I want you to answer me honestly. He said, do you actually believe in God? And immediately I was like, I really hope so, because I've just gone through an entire process where I've said I really believe in God so much so that I think he's telling me to do this for the rest of my life. And I was put on the spot. But almost immediately, I replied, yes. You'd be pleased to know. Now, what did my yes mean? My yes meant that, yes, I believe in God, who is Father, who is Son, who is Holy Spirit. And you know what? I am more sure of the Trinity than anything else on this planet. Now, it's good to be up front. The, the term Trinity doesn't actually appear in the Bible. Um, the truth that God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit is, however, to be seen everywhere in the pages of Scripture, on every page. In fact, it appears in the first three verses of Scripture. Genesis 1, God the Father, the Word, who is Jesus, and the Spirit. Just let me read these three verses to you from Genesis 1 and see where you see the persons of the Trinity. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, he was having a word, let there be light. And there was light. Now the Apostle John then says at the start of his gospel, what does he say? In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. How amazing is that? Father, Son, Holy Spirit appears the first three verses of our scriptures. Incredible truth. Now look at John 15, verses 26, 27. Jesus is uh, talking about the Spirit, the Father, and himself. The Spirit is the Spirit of truth who is sent by the Father and will testify about Jesus. The Trinity is all over the Bible. And what is beautiful is how this is echoed at Jesus' baptism. Can you see the similarities from the Genesis 1? Verses 1 to 3, to the baptism of Jesus. In those days, Jesus, the Son, came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, 
Immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son. The Father speaking, with you I am well pleased. Wow. So Jesus' baptism, which we looked at a few weeks ago in the sacrament series, is a beautiful picture of the Trinity, just like in Genesis 1. Only now, it is about new creation. And we, you and I, are all invited into it. We are invited into that relationship of love, who is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is incredible stuff. Now, most people, don't they? Uh, they say that God is love. In fact, it's inscribed on the inside of my wedding ring. It's from Scripture. But this only makes sense if God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. St. Augustine said this, you cannot say that God is love unless you have a triune God. You cannot say that God is love unless you have a trying God. Why? Well, let's think about it over the next few moments. <clears throat> if you are an atheist, then love surely is just a series of chemical reactions. It's just chemistry. Love is nothing more than a glorified science lesson. If you believe in a God who is not triune, then that God cannot be love. Love has to be both given and received. Therefore, a God who is not triune has existed by itself forever. Hmm. So who is that God being loving for all of time? No one. And so it cannot be love. But the God we worship, the one true God, has existed in beautiful relationships that have existed forever. The Father has always loved the Son, who has always loved the Spirit, who has always loved the Father, who has always loved the Spirit, who has always loved the Son, and has always loved the Father. And this goes on, folks, forever and ever and ever. God is the source of love. In fact, he is the very definition of love. He is love. 1 John, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Our friend Tim Keller says this. <clears throat> if the Trinity is ultimate reality, if, if this is what the God who made the universe is like, then this truth bristles and explodes with life-shaping, glorious implications for us. If this world was made by a trying God, relationships of love are what life is really about. Do we get it? God is not a single unit reliant on me and you. He's relationship. He is love. 
This is his nature, regardless of our weaknesses, our mistakes, our insecurities, whatever. He is love. And this is the good news. This is the good news we proclaim to the world. Why? Because it frees us from thinking that we have to do something or be someone before receiving his love and salvation. No. Our salvation is a gift by faith alone. He loves us because he is love. And so this is all about the wonderful grace of God. We don't deserve, but he chooses to love. Rick Warren, an American pastor, says this, God is love. He didn't need us, but he wanted us. I love that. He didn't need us, but he wanted us. And in verse 13 of John 16, this reading today, Jesus tells us that the Spirit will guide us into all truth. And what is the truth in these verses? That there is one God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, what does this mean for you and me today? Well, we all need to know that we are made in the image of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see that from Genesis 1. Let us make mankind in our image. This truth is the most fundamental truth about you. You are made in his image. Now, why do you love? We love because we are made in the image of God, who is love. We are made to love. And so that means the way that we love and the way that we do relationship with one another matters. The way we do these things, the way we love, engage in relationship with one another is supposed to point back to God who is love. Now last week uh, we had uh, Greg with us, didn't we? And uh, what a fantastic um, message he shared, but it was full of encouragement for us to be a people that loves others. And um, I know many of us received prayer because we wanted the gift of evangelism. We wanted to be more bold and courageous in telling people about Jesus and what he has done for us. And that was wonderful to see. And I had the real privilege on um, Thursday of this week of spending pretty much the whole day with Greg. We went for lunch together, and um, we had a nice meal. And throughout the meal, I was thinking, hmm, I thought you might have done a little bit of evangelism here, Greg. Lo and behold, I'd paid the bill. And uh, before we'd left the table, he whipped out a chalice and uh, a, a pattern. We were having communion in the middle of a restaurant, showing the, the, the bread and the wine, surrounded by about 60 other people, and he just went for it. And um, I, I was completely engaged in receiving the, uh, the body and blood of Jesus. It was a beautiful moment. And a little part of me was thinking, everyone's watching, everyone's thinking, what on earth is going on? But then I was convicted and challenged, and I was like, what a beautiful witness. What a beautiful witness that as we share in the very presence of Jesus Christ in a restaurant, that people get to see and be witnesses to that themselves. 
to ask these questions. What are they doing? What is that about? I thought it was over. And uh, we went to a charity shop. He has a bit of a fixation on charity shops. Spent 50 quid on a few books. 50 quid in a charity shop. You'd think you'd be able to buy the full thing. Uh, anyway, he was quite shocked. And uh, he bought me a book, uh, The Pilgrim's Progress. Anyone read that? Wonderful. Right, I've not. But um, he encouraged me to read it. And uh, the person who was selling him the book, um, Greg just said, have you read it? And the guy went, nope. And uh, immediately, Greg tried to engage in a conversation about Jesus. How, was that? How on earth do you do it? He just went for it. Didn't really lead much further than that. We went around the corner to another charity shop, and there was a young girl in there, and um, Greg introduced us both as we, uh, people who worked for the church, and um, she said, oh, my mum is a Christian. And Greg was like, ha-ha, this is a way in. She wasn't really biting, um, and, and that was fine. He, it, Greg persisted to a, to a point. He, he, he was longing to introduce her to Jesus and talk about Jesus, uh, but she wasn't uh, ready for that. And that, that was fine. We, we moved on. We walked around the corner, walking him to uh, his car, which was parked outside my house. I thought, Whew, I think we've probably uh, escaped any, any embarrassing moments, <laughs> for me anyway. <laughs> and one of my neighbours appears around the corner with her dog and another neighbour... They walk their dogs together. And uh, I said, hello, you're all right, uh, as we ordinarily do down our street. And um, she had purple hair. And Greg said to this lady, I hope my, I can dye my hair when I'm your age like that. <laughs> and instantly, everything inside me, like, sung. I was like, I have to live with this person on my street, Greg. You get to go in your car and whiz away. And she came out with something that I cannot repeat here, <clears throat> but it opened up a place for banter. And we had a bit of a report. And I said, you can't say that to Greg, he's a vicar. And she went, you're a vicar? <gasps> you know, do that. And um, she didn't believe that he was a vicar. And uh, so he, he did up his top button uh, he had a clerical shirt on, which I didn't realise before. And then out of a, a pocket from somewhere, he has loads of these contraptions, he pulled out a dog collar. And he started putting his dog collar and said, hey, look, I'm a, I'm a, I am a vicar. But he showed the reverse of his dog collar. And it was a picture of, you know, that, what's that famous um, Holman Hunt, is it? The picture of Christ, Jesus Christ, the light knocking on the door. And so before he put it in to his shirt, he was able to use that scrappy piece of card to talk to this lady about Jesus. And it turns out that she, you know, she did believe in God and actually she'd experienced some things in life um, that had really unsettled her. But she said, God has been my constant. And Greg was able to lead her into a prayer of recommitment, giving her life afresh to Jesus Christ. Now for me, I, I was just astounded. But I'd been praying that God would use me in my street. And Greg was able to be not only a witness to her, but a witness to me, for me to step out and to be more bold, courageous, in loving my neighbour. And that's what we want for all of us, isn't it? You know, the way we love our children, friends, 
parents, spouses, flatmates, whoever, should all be in the light of the fact that we are made in the image of the trying God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, secondly, the persons of the Trinity, they point to each other. Look at what Jesus says in these verses, John 15, 26. The Spirit is sent by the Father and the Son. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The Spirit glorifies Jesus. If you get Jesus, you also get everything that belongs to the Father. The persons of the Trinity are always pointing to, to the other. They don't work against each other, having different wills and agendas. No, they work in full cooperation with each other. You remember that really bad storm we had in November? I think it was November the 26th, Storm Arwen. And seriously, I thought my roof was literally going to blow off. Couldn't really sleep. 3 a.m. in the morning, I just thought, I need to get out of bed here and have a look out the window. As soon as I did that, within three seconds, our neighbor's roof blew off before my very eyes. And I was like, wow, that was good timing. <laughs> I was also concerned for the resident. Uh, no lights seemed to go on, so I think they slept through it. But it was pretty dramatic. And it happened out of nowhere. I could hear the wind, but I couldn't see it. The roof blew off in power. And immediately I was like, wow, God, you are so mighty. You are so powerful. You know, in Acts, Acts 2, as we heard last week, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. I had a little experience of that in this moment. This wind came from heaven. I knew that the wind in this moment, had come from heaven. And it was pointing to the one who had sent it, the one who was mighty, creator God. Always pointing to the other. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus. Jesus came that we might know the Father's love. The Father and the Son together send the Holy Spirit so that we might know God's presence with us always. They always center around the other and point to the other. We should never think of the roles of Father, Son, Holy Spirit as so separate that the other persons are not involved. Rather, everything that one person of the Trinity is involved in, the other two are also involved in. The three persons of the Trinity always testify to the other. Timothy also says, <clears throat> Pastor Timothy, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are each centering on the others, adoring and serving them. And because the Father, Son, and Spirit are giving glorifying love to one another, God is infinitely, profoundly happy. He says, think about this. If you find somebody you adore, someone for whom you would do anything, and you discover that this person feels the same way about you, does that feel good? It's sublime, he says. That's what God has been enjoying for all eternity. The Father, the Son, the Spirit are pouring love and joy and adoration into 
the other, each one serving the other. Each person of the Trinity glorifies the other. C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity, in Christianity, God is not a static thing, but a dynamic pulsating activity, a life, almost a kind of drama, almost, if you would not think me irreverent, a kind of dance. So what does that mean? What does it look like for you and me to know that the persons of the Trinity point to each other? We need to point to God with the way that we live our lives. Everything about the way we live our lives should point to God. And our lives should not be centred around ourselves, but on the people around us. How can we adore? How can we serve? How can we love one another better? How can we prefer the other? How can we point to others and celebrate the other? Let's ask ourselves the question, why do we have capacity for relationship? It's because we are made in the image of God who is relationship. We're made for this because of who he is. God gives himself away for us and we need to give ourselves away for others, pointing to God all of the time. And thirdly and lastly, the Trinity, the Trinity defines us. When you were baptised, if, if you are baptised, if you're not, be baptised. You were baptised according to Jesus' command. Baptised in the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Now recently I discovered sorry, a video of my baptism, uh, six months old. And it was quite profound watching it back. And the bit that struck me more than anything at this particular time of watching it was when the priest said, Christ claims you for his own. Wow. Christ has claimed me as his own. And so now through baptism, our baptism, we are now caught up in the very life of God. We've been baptised into his name. Look at what Jesus says in these verses. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you, what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And that is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit invites us in. The Spirit guides us. He tells us. He makes known to us the things of God. On the cross, Jesus exchanges his perfection for our imperfection so that we can be considered blameless 
and holy. You see, through accepting Jesus into our life as Saviour, we not only get access to the Father, but we become co-heirs with Christ. Everything that belongs to the Father now belongs to us. We become sons and daughters of God. How amazing is that? And that's all because God is triune and because we've been baptised into his name. As we've been discovering recently as a church, baptism is the way... Right. I think we'll do the sacrament series again. Baptism is the way in. Communion is the way... It's the way in. The Trinity, folks, defines us. It defines you. It defines me. And more than that, the trying God invites us in. We are invited into relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Wow. Now how? How are we? Well, because of the Trinity, you can know the love of God the Father, a perfect Father in heaven who will never abandon you or let you go. He invites you in. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so does the Lord for those who fear him. He invites us in. Because of the Trinity, you can know the love of God, the Son, a Saviour who loved you so much that he gave his life for you so that you can be free, so that you can have life in all of its fullness, not just here on earth, but for all eternity. He invites you in to that life through the Son. And because of the Trinity, you can know the the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, the perfect advocate, the counsellor and comforter with you always, today, tomorrow, forever, The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a person who is with you, present with us now. Wow. He invites us in, but he is also with us. That is extraordinary, but that is our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he wants us all today to know that truth. So, let me ask you, are you in relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Are you in relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? As we just ponder on that question in our hearts, can I invite you to stand if you're able? We're going to respond together now to what we've heard about God being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the three in one. You may want to just close your eyes. 
This is the most fundamental truth that we will ever know. That God, He is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He invites you in. He longs to be with us. And so I'm just going to pray that ancient prayer of come Holy Spirit. May we know your presence with us now, God, by your Holy Spirit. And if you want to acknowledge and know something of his presence with you right now, why don't you just put your hands out in front of you as a sign that here I am, God, I'm willing to receive. I'm here for you as you draw close to me. Maybe today has been a day where you've just been, your eyes have been opened to the wonder, to the glory, the majesty of God who is three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Maybe today is a day where you've acknowledged that you want this God who is love to enter into your life. That you've realised that the God who is in heaven has for all time been chasing a relationship with you. He loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. He took on the cross our sin and paid the price so that we didn't have to. We can be forgiven through what Jesus has done. We're not condemned to death, but we're given life in all of its fullness and life into eternity. That's the promise. That's how much he loves you. And we're not alone. He is with us. He's our advocate. He's for you. He's our comforter in time of need. He's our healer. The Spirit of God is with us now. And friends, we're all invited to be in that relationship with him. We need him. He doesn't need us, but we want and need him so much. Maybe today you want to step out of your comfort zone like I wanted when I was with Greg the other day I want to be more than a mere believer 
I want to be a participant with the work of God here on earth today, that my life may be centered around Him every day, and that my life would be with Him every day. Maybe you want that too. The Father, the Son promises the gift of the Holy Spirit to be with us all the time, to be our strength, so that we can operate in His authority and with His power. And as Jesus said, so that we may do greater things than He. Come Holy Spirit. We pray, almighty and eternal God, you have revealed yourself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you live and reign in the perfect unity of love. Hold us firm in this faith that we may know you in all your ways and evermore rejoice in your eternal glory who are three persons yet one God now and forever Amen